0: And a very good afternoon a very warm welcome. It's Thursday and it's uh, Deering Live at the usual time. How are we doing, young Dave?
1: Hey, I'm doing well. Doing all right? Good to, good to, be, here. Good to be here.
0: Good to be here two weeks in a row. I two
1: know. In row. We're on I a roll.
0: It. I know. We should probably keep this momentum going, don't you think?
1: Yeah, what should we do next week? <sighs>
0: nice segue i enjoyed that i'm not even gonna pretend like i didn't enjoy that that was fantastic uh, all right so before we get into the today's guests uh, who we're very excited to hear and uh, and hang with for a little bit um we are ever so excited to announce that for the second year running uh deering live has been asked to host the steve martin banjo prize uh for 2022 now if you hang to the end of the show i'll tell you the winners that's my incentive. Oh, that. look at that yeah. little teaser there! That little teaser, but I now won't really. So hope, uh, hope nobody, nobody from that camp is watching. But yeah, so next week, uh, Thursday at the slightly later time of four PM Pacific, seven PM Eastern, um, and some unearthly time in the morning in the UK and Europe, uh, we will be live with the Steve Martin Banjo Prize for the second year. So we're very, very excited about that. So stay tuned. Yeah, but. That is not why we're here, it's just a good opportunity to, to talk about it and announce it. Today, we have two very cool guests. Um, we welcome multi instrumentalist and multilingual duo, Larry and Joe. Larry hails from Mongus, Venezuela, and is a legend of llanera music, while the Car- North Carolina-based Joe Troop is a Grammy-nominated bluegrass and old time musician. Now, as a duo, Larry and Joe are based in North Carolina, um, and they're on a mission to show that music has no borders. Uh, they're performing a fusion of Venezuelan and Appalachian folk music on the harp, the cuatro, the banjo, the fiddle, maracas, uh, guitar, bass, and many others. So, if you caught the episode last week with Mark Schatz, you would have heard him at the very end of that show when we announced uh, Larry and Joe today um, that uh, he gave a seal of approval by saying simply, Those guys are amazing. And I think we can agree with them based on the sound check, right? It was cool. Yeah. And you saw them at Blue Ridge, right? I, I
1: saw them at the Blue Ridge camp, Blue Ridge Banjo Camp, Bellaflake Camp, and uh, it was it was really good.
0: Yeah, really? <laughs> so I'm All excited. Right. Yeah, awesome. Let's bring them in. Let's bring in Larry and Joe. Say hi, Larry and Joe. How are we doing?
2: Doing great. Yay.
0: Awesome. Really, really happy to have you guys here. Very excited to uh, for the show and to hear uh, hear what's going on with you guys. But first, let's see if we can get into a a little song. Um Great. Can we kick us off yeah. with a tune?
2: Yeah, we're gonna do one called Gabanjo. Gabanjo. <laughs>
1: Fantastic, fantastic. It's, it's, I, I love it.
3: Yeah.
1: Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm down here in your old stomping ground. Um, I'm in Buenos Aires right now, and uh, you, you spent how many he years?
3: years? Querido. <laughs> 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 what, That's
1: what, what, what brought you down ahead to, ahead. to Buenos Aires a long time ago? You were, you were here for a while, right?
2: 10 years, yeah, 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 <laughs> and well, what a well, magician.
1: What initially brought you down here?
2: Well, I uh, had a bunch of Argentinian friends that I'd met while living in Spain for a couple years. And uh, I just, I went down for a visit and I ended up staying for a decade. I, I just really, uh, I really liked it. And uh, it was a good place for me for that period of time.
3: Yeah.
1: And then, what well, was, um, you, you know, you formed a band that was, that was successful down here and, and, um, was it how was it kind of finding playing the banjo down in Buenos Aires and playing playing Appalachian music because you play other instruments as well um but playing that kind of bringing that kind of music down here
2: yeah well uh, it was a complete novelty uh actually as soon as I got down there I, I found the best banjo player in Argentina at that time uh, who's a tremendous bassist a double bassist named Diego Sanchez and I met Diego, you know, I think I even communicated him with him through YouTube a couple weeks before I went. And then we met up and we formed a duo uh, pretty quickly. And uh, he liked the banjo, but most people have ne- you know, never heard of the banjo. Uh, it has gotten a little bit more popular. Some of my students actually started a bluegrass festival down there called Buenos Aires Bluegrass. And uh, it's happening uh, November 6th, this Saturday. You might want to check that out, Dave. Yeah,
3: yeah.
2: Uh, Make sure to just check up, you know, Buenos Aires Bluegrass. It's a festival sponsored by the city. Uh, They have some underwriting. So, uh, you know, I was there at the beginning of what has turned into a small subculture of Appalachian string band folk music enthusiasts.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. uh, At the time, it was completely unknown, you know. Yeah, yeah. you kind of started, help start this little scene that's kind of going on here, right?
2: I, I mean, I, I don't, I, things start themselves. I, I've always noticed that like energetic fields sort of emerge, uh, you know, simultaneously. And then, then they kind of like amalgamate at some point. So I, I can't take credit for everything. That's everyone sure. else's work. But sure yeah, sure. I was, I definitely uh, was able to do a lot of teaching uh banjo and i you know i taught a whole i mean if you go to that festival a whole slew of the people there
3: yeah, if not yeah. a size of
2: you know maybe half the people in that festival I, I had
3: something to do with teaching them <laughs> right. at one
2: point. I, I mean that's all that's what I was doing in Buenos Aires for a yeah. decade. You know, playing around in the underground music scene teaching banjo and fiddle and mandolin and guitar and you know the bluegrass stuff.
1: Yeah. Well you're you know you're back in the States now and and you talked how things just kind of things just kind of can just kind of happen like how did you let's talk about you you know you and larry how did this happen how did you two get together
2: uh larry and i met in december of last year i was offered a residence at a a music venue in town kind of like a cultural space the coolest cultural space there is in my opinion in the country Uh, It's called The Fruit. This this place is awesome. It's one of a kind. It's something you would expect to see in Buenos Aires. It reminds me of Hasta Trilce, which is this beautiful um, theater. And Masa 177, Hasta Trilce. It's like a theater, bar, foyer. It's it's this multi-space. Anyway, um, The Fruit is a multi-space in Durham. um, And I was offered a residency there to kind of rehearse, uh, curate the space to my liking for an entire month. And uh, I met uh, Larry. I, I, I heard about his whereabouts from a mutual friend. I got in contact with him. I saw some videos that they had posted uh, that he had posted of himself playing harp, and I thought, no way! Like I've got to play music with this guy uh, because I love Yannetta music. I've been listening to Yanera music since I was, you know, a teenager, but I was never able to be under a master's tutelage. So I contacted Larry and I invited him to the series. The first night he came. He brought his bass and his harp. And uh, the audience was spe- so spellbound, they immediately gave uh, us a standing ovation. We had never played music together, but the connection was like fireworks. And uh, and since then, we've just been, um, we've been, I, I officially moved to Durham in March. I was on the road January and February of this year with a theater company. I came to town in March and we started working and we've already got an album in the can. And, uh, it's <laughs> start, and actually the single first single drops tomorrow. Uh, oh wow! Vehicle, which is the last song we're going to play tonight.
1: That'll be on available and all the usual, you know, yeah, yeah
2: all, stuff, all this, whatever. streaming, that <laughs> uh,
1: stuff. Well, can why don't um, maybe there's a better question for Larry? Um, can you explain what? what Llanera music is, like what, what make? what's the essence of this music?
4: Larry, ¿tú puedes explicar lo que es la música, la llanera y cuál es la esencia de esta música? La música llanera es la música de Venezuela. Llanera music is the
2: representative
4: music of Venezuela. Es, um, se hace con cuerdas, de cuerda. It's done with strings music. ¿Se puede correr el, el, el arpa para lado? Sorry.
2: Okay. I just noticed Larry's been talking through strings
4: the whole yeah. time. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's better to see his face. So it's a string band tradition, but there is a minor percussive element, which is the maracas. Y la esencia de nuestra música, básicamente, o lo que se conocido, es que... Nos trae, venimos desde la colonización por la música andaluz de España, por allí entra un poco lo que es parecido a la música de Venezuela hoy en día. And to talk about the essence of uh, our music, you've got
2: to talk about the colonial period um, in which a lot of Andalusian, Andalucia, uh, immigrants from and- Andalucia, southern Spain, uh, came to Venezuela and brought their
4: Sound with it. también metal, con mandolina. Then you also have to consider the um,
2: metal strings, like he's put nylon strings. That's Yanera tradition is from the plains region of uh, eastern Venezuela. Sorry, western Venezuela, which is shared. This uh, Llanera music tradition from the Plains region, which is called Llano, is shared between Colombia and Venezuela, where he's from, he's from the Oriente, which is the eastern part of the country, and they use uh, metal strings and, uh, y había dicho mandolina, ¿no? mandolina. and there's a uh, mandolin tradition there. Uh, we're going to do a piece uh, at some point tonight uh, that showcases kind of the sort of music that, they're ex- that they explore in that tradition, which is completely different than Musica Llanera.
4: Eh, algo más de la esencia de la música llanera? Sí. Uh, nuestra música llanera, eh, como esencia, toma el canto hecho en medio de, como dice la palabra llanera, en medio del llano, en medio de la sabana. Yeah, one thing about our tradition is that it takes,
2: uh, it, it stems from singing in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of nothing, in the plains. It's like the Pampa region mm-hmm. of ours or the Prairie, or, or more like the High Plains, you know, like yeah. North Dakota.
3: Sure.
1: And, uh, and Joe, what did you, th- was it about this music that you thought you could bring a, you know, traditional Appalachian instrumentation to this music and, and add something to it?
2: Well, I just thought it would sound cool on the banjo. And when we started exploring uh, this music like what we what the first song we did is it's called gabanjo but it's actually a gaban um g-a-v-a-n eh, but you know the v in spanish is pronounced like a b it's labial so gaban um and gabanjo is like a little funny thing for venezuelans they'd be like ah gaban on the manager you know and english people would be like what's that but uh anyhow uh i just thought yeah, I'll give this a try. I'll start picking picking out the harp vocabulary and the cuatro vocabulary on the banjo, and then some of this instrument called the bandola, which is like a pear shaped guitar, a four string uh, guitar family instrument that's very cool with a very aggressive uh, att- uh, attack, and it sounds like pingy. Larry noticed the similarities between the sound of the bandola and the banjo. So we're the, what I'm doing is a banjo player incorporates some of like what I was just doing. <laughs> Quadro technique, but I'm not using the index finger, which they use. I don't, I have picks on that finger, so of course if I do mm-hmm. that, I get you know stuck to the string. Yeah. So I'm using downstrokes with uh in the uh, with a uh, pinky and ring because they're the unpicked Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know there's a lot of stuff you can do, like I'm still trying to get used to that kind of up up right up, stop, which is like with the nail. This is all quadro technique. Then some of the picking stuff that I was doing. Yeah, here's I'm emulating that. But, um, so it's like, so they gotta. So I have a good teacher, right? So I'm doing that, <laughs> yeah. this is like uh this is straight out of the so doing it's all thumb mm-hmm. so it's thumb, thumb 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 index it's mostly downstroke so you try to that, there's this one index that comes up anyway so there's a lot of downstroke
3: like
2: that phrase would just be all downstroke that's bandola. And
3: uh-huh. then a
2: lot of the vocabulary that I'm using is, you know, like, like. That's harp. That's literally what the right hand in the harp is doing. So it works out perfectly on the banjo to do the harp phrases. It, you, you can do the cuatro f- phrases on it, and then it, you can really dig it with down stroke on thumb and kind of create a bandola vibe. So what's really interesting as a banjo player is that Venezuelans are hearing this, and verdad mano que algunos han preguntado de que región de Venezuela es ese instrument. Some Venezuelan uh, folk <laughs> musicians have asked what region of Venezuela the banjo was from. Because it sounds like it should be a traditional instrument from Venezuela. It says the first time in my experience as a banjo player that people have actually gravitated towards the instrument. It's completely, it has no stigma at right. all. Virtually unknown in Venezuela. And people are just like, that sounds great. Uh, there's a lot of uh, aperture. Venezuela is a very open-minded musical place. Um, there's a lot, going, there's just so much going on in Venezuelan folk music. It's, um, it's uncanny uh, how much diverse music they have. Uh, so, uh, I think the banjo is starting, there's even a young man in Merida, Venezuela, who ha, is starting to play Yanira music on the banjo because he saw the banjo and he thought it was cool. So I think oh. there's a, like, I think there's a propensity for just incorporation, you know, uh, yeah. You know, in, in, in their musical culture.
1: Uh, ask Larry, you know, what does, what do you think it is about the musical culture that keeps them so open minded where, qué es lo que lo
4: hace eh, qué es lo que hace que sea tan abierta de mente la cultura musical de Venezuela que se expandió um, por todo el por todo el territorio por todo Venezuela y se regó hacia Colombia y los músicos que tocaban otros digamos otros folclores comenzaron a mezclar musica de otras regiones con la música venezolana so yeah so the musica llanera music has somewhat it was it was once
2: defined to the llano which is Mm -hmm. the plains region but it is spread through the whole country like larry like i said it it's as if like somebody from california was playing bluegrass Mm -hmm. nowadays that's a very normal thing but at a certain time that was not that common well same thing happened in venezuela and he's the result of that he's like a Stuart Duncan like figure or something <laughs> like Yanera <laughs> music, because he's really, really good and known, but he's not from the Yano. And uh, you'll find Yanera uh, musicians in Caracas and, and, and all, all, all different places. Anyway, what uh, people have done is they've incorporated this music, they've used it, and they've brought other styles to it. So now contemporary Yanera music is like, it, 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 it can be anything, you know, there's a tradition, but then they've also expanded upon it. And I, I just think that um, as the, the communication within the country uh, grew and there was more accessibility to this music, like Simon Diaz popularized the America music for the, for the Venezuelan uh, people in, you know, in a la there was a folk revival in the nineteen sixties. Another parallel to what happened here in the United States, where all these New Yorkers took bluegrass and they just did it so good. Everyone was thinking, wow, that hillbilly music's incredible. And uh, the same thing happened in like Caracas with uh, música llanera. So people, folk revivalists started g- getting in, t- in tune with this incredible music that was so culturally rich, and and now it's been spread throughout the whole country. And, um, yeah.
1: And is there a modern... <laughs> is there like a modern uh, uh, contemporary version, like the way Cumbia has, like in Colombia? Oh,
4: yeah. Si, hay una versión contemporánea de la música llanera.
2: completely. Totally. <laughs> there's, there's traditionalists, and then there's... Uh the group Nelson Echandia. Compases. Compases is a, one of our friends. Yes. Well I've only I've only met <laughs> him. <laughs> his bassist, uh, Nelson Echandia. He's a virtuoso, he actually played on a song on our album. He's a bassist of the Victor Wooten <laughs> school of bass, but he's taken Victor Wooten vibes and put it with like <laughs> traditional Venezuelan and Latin American music. He's a wow. sick musician. And his group, Compases is a really good example of a C-O-M-B-A-S-E-S. Uh, it's a really good contemporary Yanera music representative.
4: Uh, so he, like, like, like I, you know, llevó de Wooden la música de like So,
2: you know, Nelson, <laughs> one of his things, he's taken Victor Wooden techniques and, and brought them to Musica Yanera, is what uh, Larry's saying. They're, like, best friends, so... One of our he goals is to get Nelson up here. I get I trayable. Yeah. <laughs> it's is he still in
1: Venezuela or is he in the.
2: He's in Venezuela. Caracas? He's in Caracas, yeah. capital.
1: And how did you get so into this style of music at a young age? You mentioned in, in, when you're a teenager. It's you're
2: in there. uh where I did my undergrad, part of my undergrad, two years, uh, I met, like I said, a group of Argentinians. They were my core group of friends and they had a, an album uh, called Pajarillo Verde. Pajarillo Verde, como no quieres que Llore, okay. By Cecilia Tov, which was like, she was a Caracas. She's part of that folk revivalist movement. She's a Caraqueña, uh, a city girl, a city woman who made up um, this, who had this very successful album in Argentina. So my Argentinian friends, gave me this album.
4: In Venezuela, ella no es tan conocida en Venezuela ni siquiera. Es conocida, sí. No. Pero no como no, entre ya no. músicos llaneros, no tanto. No? Dentro de la música neta, neta, neta de, de lo, del llano como tal, no. Porque es una canción que so, si se quieren dentro de los venezolanos clásicos. So there, there, there's
2: a phenomenon that we're looking in globalization uh, that we can identify here. So Cecilia Todd is not, you know, she's she's regarded as a good musician, but she's not like uh she's of no like um she's not considered like a the greatest uh you know llanera musician at all she's from caracas she's from the city it's like it's like the guy who did dueling banjos was any from new york or something like
3: yeah, uh, yeah. you Korsberg.
2: know and, and bluegrass there's like man it's a, it's a good melody but it's not like what what's the what's the fuss you know so that there's that kind of vibe with like Verde. the album that i was listening to was part of this folk revivalist movement that came out of caracas and it was popularized in major metropolis, metropoli in South America, including Buenos Aires, where my friends came from. So via earlier iterations of globalization, I'm like, I noticed my hands like a spider on Larry's head. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got it. <laughs> Uh, I I got an album and that was my first taste of música llanera, but the songs are uh, from the llanera tradition and they're, it's a beautiful album. I, I would recommend it. Since then, I've gotten more in touch with the the people that you know the the the, whole, the people that are from where that music is played, mm-hmm. and 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 that's that's a whole different entity. You know what I mean? Folk. Right, no, yeah. Nothing against folk revivalists, but when when you hear music from you know, it's oh, like hearing flamenco from, from Catalonia. When you really wanna, you know, you gotta know where Flamingo from you gotta hear Flamingo from Andalusia, you know what I'm right, saying? Right, yeah. All the banjo players <laughs> out there <are> like,
3: what? <laughs>
1: <laughs> we got a couple questions here. I wanna get um Julie Colton is saying is asking, what's the process for incorporating the banjo into a very traditional musical style?
2: Yeah, uh, inventing techniques and discovering techniques which would um, work better like for example uh you know sort of um, the concept of any finger is fine as long as you play the note is not the case you need downstroke thumb oriented attack on the banjo uh in order to kind of get the right punch from this music so it's mostly i'm using thumb sometimes index and very rarely uh third finger if i'm doing like uh you know grouplets of of, of three oh, uh wow. you know and then there's techniques like uh that it so like uh right hand muting sounds cool Using a splayed index to kind of get this vibe. So I, I've, I've drawn from sort of uh, techniques from other instruments, blues, guitar. Uh, we were produced by a legendary um, blues, funk, and jazz guitarist named Charlie Hunter. And he, in the production of our album, gave me all these incredible tips, which I was able to use to get a better and bigger sound on the instrument. Like instead of, I can't even remember what I like, are they? It's like. It... There's like I used to do like these can't even remember how I did it. A melodic, the melodic thing on banjo. That mm-hmm. doesn't music. It doesn't sound hip. So yeah. it's like uh that's a, a phrase from a song that we do called uh, it's a bambuco It's called Los mm-hmm. Doce. And uh and like I, I we just had to like contrast and compare. Charlie's like, okay, do that single string. Uh, but yeah. use thumb and occasionally index like alternate between thumb and index. So it's more of a single string approach in banjo yeah. terms and uh, and try to keep downstroke in the for you can't always do it obviously, but as much as you can do it and like sometimes I'll be playing you know like uh, like
3: uh,
2: like this that's like mostly downstroke on thumb as much as you can do it. I and mean, when you need the index, use it. So the, to answer the question, like that's I, for you, you you might have to explore techniques that are considered unorthodox on the instrument and they're not really unorthodox on the banjo because there's a lot of stuff that's probably been explored on banjo. We don't even know about, but for the scrub style technique or whatever, um, you know, some things haven't been explored by people that play this style. Uh, So, I've had to do some research as to how to accommodate, you know, like I said, like the cuatro thing, like, how am I going to get that, well, how am I going to, the first issue is how do I do this without, like, uh, throwing my picks off, Mm -hmm. because I actually, actually you know, so you got to keep two fingers, like, I have rabbit ears here, and I got two fingers kind of curved, and then they splay, so it's like... You know it, it work around problems and just yeah. uh, so that, that that's what I'm currently doing to to try to to try to make this music sound hip on the banjo
1: and how do you deal with like the psychological like st- stigma on I think on the banjo it's really strong uh, about you're not playing the banjo correctly sort of thing where you know
3: oh, I don't,
1: you know I, what I mean, mean though? how that kind yeah. of is a strong thing in the banjo world.
2: I mean, you
1: know, like, this. I mean,
3: I,
2: mean, I, I know how to do that too. That's right. not my bag of tricks, but that's, that bag of tricks is not useful for this music. Yeah. And right. like uh, playing the banjo correctly, does that even exist? I don't even think that exists. I don't think there is. It's a relatively unexplored instrument compared to so many other instruments right. mm-hmm. like there's not a litany of uh there's not like a uh a catalog of
4: uh, i played the violin as well and that's a whole different uh, and, like uh, It's important to to understand the essence of
2: like scrug style and, and bluegrass to me I don't know I like to play bluegrass music so yeah. that, that's what I grew up playing um and uh so that I just I honestly don't even think of uh the instrument as I, I don't even conceive of it the same now that I'm a little bit more involved in música llanera. I, I don't think like I think when I'm playing bluegrass. Um, it's a different concept, which is cool because, you know, you can explore something new. Mm-hmm. And there is no uh, way to do it correctly because no one, to my knowledge, is doing it. Except for, like, that... Eh, ¿Cómo se llama? Le llamo eh, Mérida,
4: eh, el, el que toca banjo Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Se me fue el nombre. Por favor. <laughs>
2: Teodoro Gracias, <laughs> So Teodoro is down in Mérida and who knows what he's doing on, ba- on Banjo. He's probably doing it the correct way, you know, because he's in the llano. <laughs> sure. So like I mean yeah. there's and also like, you know, at a certain point that you don't have to think about music doesn't have a uh, there's not a you know, we talk about this all the time. la manera correcta de tocar la cosa como ayer en el la tienda de arpas. <laughs> we went to a harp store yesterday. Um And Larry was treated, I mean, they were just kind of like, the the subtext was, oh, um, make sure to wear your mask. You know, he was Venezuelan. You know, harp is like, there's all these $20,000 instruments that people are going to have in their foyer. It's like it's classist crap. And this guy shreds them all to pieces because he plays, to my liking, like way, way more than they're like, oh, I don't really like classical harp. I don't give a rat's patoot. About it. it's like it's so super boring yeah it's boring has <laughs> no like it <laughs> has no africa it's like the whitest blandest uh insufferable crap uh so in any way i'm kind ma- of maybe i'm overboard because they were so racist and like classes to him yesterday and i was like there's a master here but they don't care you know like uh uh, what was the question? Now I just got on a diatribe and I don't even know what. It
1: the, the the you know the stigma of, of playing an instrument correctly. Oh, yeah, so know.
2: correctly that's correct. although well, I don't yeah. want to be correct. Like if that's what correct is, I don't want to. Be, I don't want to have anything to do with correctness.
1: Right. um Mark Reuter, uh, I think it's Reuter, uh, uh, is asking, are you using G-tuning? G tuning, open mm-hmm. tuning.
2: That's a good question. So, um, these are all good questions. Thank you, Julia and Mark. Uh, yeah, I was in B minor, but, uh, G over B minor is like a a six, right? So I've got the six, and then over an F sharp, it is a, uh, it's a, uh, minor second. Crazy, right? So the, mm-hmm. these uh, the open string, uh, it's this like miracle of banjo in Yaneta music. We we are always flabbergasted by how well the banjo just naturally works for the key the the, the the tunings that they use. B minor would just leave that G open and go to town, baby, because it's either you know like <laughs> it somehow just works and it sounds really cool for these chord extensions that they would they would use in Yaneta music. Um. Yeah, but I, I'm using uh, G tunings uh, on everything we play okay. to, in this podcast or in this on this live stream.
1: Cool, makes it easy. Um, do y'all want to play another tuning?
2: Sure. How many are okay. we going to do? In we're going to do three or four. About
1: three, so we're about the halfway point. So we could okay. do one. Yeah,
2: we'll, we'll do an we'll do uh, example. Come on.
4: Ah, pero son uno cantado. a
2: We're having an internal conversation. So, uh, yeah, this is called um, Los Doce, and it's uh typically played on mandolin. Okay. Okay, here we go. Thank you. So that's a bambuco. It's a Colombian, on, Colombian. ¿no? It's a bambuco colombiano from Colombia, but it's filtered through the joropo oriental uh, Venezuela. Venezuelan, Venezuelan, uh, eastern tradition. So that, is not llanera No, it's a yeah. nah. no, oriental. That's an
3: eastern,
2: por... eastern uh, Venezuelan music kind of transformed by this notable, uh, this incredible. Group called Ensemble Gurufio. Teurtado uh, Hurtado Peurtalo is a very known cuatrista, cuatro player that uh, is part of that group. And uh, they've. Eh, Como se llama el mandolinista? Que te cuento el apellido Soto. No el Soto, there's a great mandolinist in that group. And they've also, they also did an, uh, a, a disc with uh, Hamilton Yolanda. Hamilton Yolanda. Hamilton Yolanda. Hey, Hamilton is pretty known in the states because he collaborated with mike marshall um anyway that tradition is like shared between colombia venezuela and brazil it's like choro those melodies and this kind of like mandolin oriented music is also played in venezuela so that was kind of like reminiscent of 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 that whole thing
1: and those, those melodies there's not a lot of improvisation going on a little bit on on the accents of the melody, but you're just essentially playing. Yeah,
2: it's it's kind of it's kind of well. There's subtle improvisation going on, right. but yeah, it's mostly uh, the melody. You know, the yeah. melody itself is is it, it, it's, is so beautiful um, that it, it's kind of nice to just play. There is more improvisation in the first song that we did. There's more yeah. room for improvisation there, though. Like guys like Hamilton de Holanda, like they improvise like stuff <laughs> that you know. I, I hope. I'll take more risks on that. I'm taking subtle improvisational risks, but not not too much on that stuff yet.
1: Yeah, I saw like when you went up the neck a high and did like a, a sort of yeah,
2: like off. I throw in the little banjo-y stuff because you know I'm a banjo player, I like a little banjo. <laughs> stuff. So I was thinking, I was as I was playing that song, I had the like in my ear, like you're using your middle and your index a lot on this one. I'm like, yeah, I know. It's contrary to everything I've told. You uh that particular song is is kind of hard to do that. I do keep it mostly to thumb and index though. But uh-huh. I do I do throw the the middle in there a little bit. So I actually tried to avoid it in one moment and then I messed up a phrase and I was like, I ah, know I'll just stick to the way I usually do this. Because I know banjo players are watching this and they're like, hey, li- he's a liar. He's a hypocrite.
1: <laughs> yeah, that definitely had that sounded similar to to Brazilian choro music. I could hear that that
2: relationship there. <laughs> totally.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. Mark Reuter is, is 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 saying how your tremolo with your thumb uh, looks. That tremolo with his thumb, though. Um,
2: yeah. Well. Uh, it, so yeah. I I, oh yeah. I can't really do that. I do have discovered like a tremolo with the fat of my ring finger that. I someone
3: that's really pretty tremolo speaking yeah of yeah we that's have funny,
1: uh Mark. kyla who i think you might know um seems, manager, Kayla. <laughs> seems like larry plays everything um but he has never played the band? <laughs>
2: Yeah, he does. He's a talented guy. He plays the bass too, but we don't have it out.
1: What, what does he play? Does he play three finger or or? or he plays upright bass,
2: and he also plays electric bass and salsa bass, which is like a Brady Uh, salsa bass. There can do it all. He doesn't. His maracas are in the car, so he won't play that. And plus, that wouldn't work. That would destroy oh, the mic. Funny. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's rough for this. All you hear with. You have to come to a live show if you want to see us do all that stuff.
1: Yeah, you. Everybody should, definitely should. You know, um, when you played at uh, at Blue Ridge at the um the the concert there, that was fantastic. Um, Larry, what do you like about the banjo and traditional Appalachian music?
4: Qué te gusta del banjo y de la música tradicional de los afalaches? Me encanta um, la diferencia que hay entre entre mi música y la música del bluegrass. I love the difference that there is between
2: my music and, and bluegrass.
4: Uh, utilizar muchas séptimas, novenas. Yeah, using a lot of <laughs> sevenths and ninths. Es, es bastante divertido. Escuchar. It's really fun listening to that, he said. Uh, y y lo, más, lo que más me llama la atención del bluegrass es que cuando miras a una agrupación tocando Digo de los festivales. De estar en un festival es, es algo muy genuino. El patrón es, digamos, cuadrado, pero el que va a tocar en ese jam puede salirse de ese de ese cuadro y hacer lo que quiera. Yeah, what
2: he's talking about is when you're at like outdoor music festivals or fiddlers conventions, these like bluegrass festivals, you'll see. Uh, like a bluegrass band, kind of play more out of the box uh, in a jam uh, scenario. You know, there's like there there's a standard for songs and whatnot. But it, he he's remarking how it's it's so awesome to see so many groups give their own little uh, contribution to. Cada su aporte. Everyone's got their contribution to the to the style. Sí. That's what's so cool about bluegrass, I man. We we feel the same way with fun. Musica llanera. Every group is going to have, you know, it's different human beings.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: They're all going to bring some sort of special sound that only their bodies, through their fingers, will make. In that, in that group of people together, it's such a, it's a it's such a humanistic.
4: Es como muy bien de humano, no? Como mezclas cuatro cinco humanos. Es más corazón que otra cosa. Oh, yeah, it's like a matter of the heart. It's kind of like es, a heart thing. Es allí donde se 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 puede comprobar que el pentagrama queda muy chiquitito.
3: Ajá. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh-huh.
4: Porque la gente desarrolla según lo que quiere expresar. Yeah, yeah. That's that's in, in those situations you
2: just realize that uh, reading music, that uh, written and read music, uh, just is not enough because it's in those situations that you'll just see the art of spontaneous expression um mm. that, that's a similarity between you know Appalachian music like in a jam like the the jams music it's just it's a lot like old time music honestly bluegrass is a little more limited in to you know the pass around solos but
4: uh music Pero pero it's muy similar a Blu-ray con respecto al estilo de grabación y ese tipo de ah, sí, exactly. Yeah, we're, so do, we're talking
2: about how like in some way like música llanera might be a little bit more old time oriented uh-huh. because it is like uh like a melody centric or a groove center centric uh repetitive vibe and it can go on and on and on and on and it's uh it's like an enchantment right um but it, it's very similar to the bluegrass music industry like with the you know all the vintage photos and like vinyl and people selling like tapes out of their car and uh just the general like aesthetic and vibe of it is, is a similar musical culture um uh, for any bluegrass musician who thinks they're alone in the world and that only bluegrass has this kind of like festival scene, it's it's not, that's not the case. They do the same thing in Venezuela. You know, it's different. Instead of like camping out in a field, they will, people will open up their homes or rent out their homes. And it's kind of more like a city oriented uh, or town oriented thing. They'll like take over a town for a music festival. But similar, mm. it's very similar
3: in a lot of ways. Y,
4: y gracias a esto. Gracias a este nuevo proyecto de Larry and Joe, Venezuela está conociendo lo que en realidad es el bluegrass. Yeah, and th-
2: through our uh little project Larry and Joe, uh, people in Venezuela are learning what bluegrass is too, you know, it goes both ways. Uh everyone uh, absolutamente
4: <laughs> música de película yeah, yeah. The, past, was
2: just like, the, the idea for them is like something they've seen in the movies, and mistakenly they think it's from the wild, wild west. Yeah, they think it's like uh, it's like somebody on the plains riding a horse. Uh. Hey. He, even yeah, and Larry didn't even realize until we started hanging out last year that bluegrass is from this region. Right. And that uh it it's it's like uh the 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 propagation of like of of the stereotype internationally is that it's cowboy music. And yeah, yeah. I've never seen a tumbleweed in North Carolina but uh, I don't <laughs> know, nor is it arid. Yet we'll have to wait 40 years and then I'm sure it will be like everywhere else. But.
1: Larry, did you know what a banjo was when you lived in Cal- in, in in Venezuela and and did you ever think you'd be playing with a banjo player? Tú
4: sabías lo un banjo No, never. I've never he no. said, I've never seen, I've never seen, I've,
2: never seen said, I've never seen a banjo. Actually, in the in the movies they they don't show them, so I've never seen one.
4: palabra They know apache. Solo por la película. So he, they know the word Apache in
2: the in, in movies, but it has nothing to do, of course, with Apalache. So it's a completely remote concept. It's like for people around here, Musica Llanera. We've never heard of that. i had never heard of that. And I'm sure most people watching this, probably watching this uh, live stream, have never heard of Musica Llanera. But it,
4: it does exist. Eh, y alguno, en algún momento pensaste que ibas a terminar te cuando con un banchista no o sea, precisamente lo que nunca pasó por mi cabeza fue tocar con una persona que no tenía nada que ver con la música llanera y yeah, he had Pensaba. never considered or dreamed of playing
2: music with someone who had nothing to do with música llanera claro, like it never had crossed through como his mind. el proyecto
4: principal no quizás en alguna ocasión he
2: thought maybe like and like on a, on a special occasion, it could have maybe mm-hmm. happened, but not as like a principal project. So yeah, I think Larry's pretty surprised by this.
4: Pero kind of muy, muy único. La que hubo arpa banjo algo sino Yeah,
2: he's talking about how uh, something really special happened the first time we ever put the banjo and the harp together. Uh, it wasn't just special to us. We realized it was it was cool, but uh, the audience that was there, that residency that we were doing in Durham, they were over the moon with the combination, and they were like, "Wow, this is this is cool, banjo and harp." Whoa! Because on the surface, even I would have felt that's that's like banjo and piano, like they're. Uh, quick decay oh, kind of yeah,
3: quick
2: yeah. sounds like there's, that's not going to work. Right. But then it it actually does somehow work and they fold into each other in a way that sometimes we'll listen back to a recording of ourselves and we'll be like, wait, was that, was that me? Or was that you? Whoa, that's weird. It kind of trips you out. Like it sounds like a banjo and vice versa. This sounds like a harp. So it's interesting to have a duo where the be, uh, you know, of course we, we, we play different instruments in this duo. I also play the fiddle and the guitar. And the harmonica, sometimes, and Larry plays the upright bass, the cuatro, and the maracas, and whatever else he wants to play. And so, you know, we do a gamut of, of stuff, but like the the, the, the fuerte, the main dish is banjo and harp. And uh, it, it has a lot of potential, we're finding. And we're still exploring that, you know, as we're deciphering each other's vocabularies, and figuring it out. We've only been playing music together for like 10 months. Yeah. So still getting it together, you know.
1: And Larry, were you not playing music professionally in in
4: the U.S. before you met Joe? Hasta conocerme a mí, estabas tocando la música profesionalmente en Estados Unidos. Estaba trabajando música latina. He was working in Latin Latin American music. Orquesta de salsa, una banda que fue mi proyecto base. Some uh, salsa orchestras, and one of his uh, principal projects was... Musica Latina con arpa, uh, salsa merengue, cumbia. Yeah, salsa ah. merengue, cumbia. He has a group called Son Latinos with mm-hmm. some friends from North Carolina
2: playing uh, a variety of Latin American musical styles. Pero trabajando, o pero construcción? trabajando, en construcción. Yeah, he was, he was always working in construction. Yeah. And he's currently transitioning out of that because our duo, we're going to be able to live off of this soon.
1: That's awesome. That's really yeah. awesome.
2: Creo que porque estamos
4: en transición para vivir eh, netamente de esto. Yes. Sí. Y, y para mí ha sido una gran bendición porque después de estar 25 años, 26 años en Venezuela trabajando con la música a nivel profesional como maestro, como músico, como cantante a llegar acá y cambiar el switch. Y trabajar solo construcción fue bastante fuerte.
3: Yeah,
2: after twenty-five or twenty-six years living and working as a musician exclusively, whether teaching or performing, uh it was you know, coming to the United States and all of a sudden having to work in construction was like turning on a switch that was it was really difficult to deal with, really difficult to accept. Yeah. So yeah, he's been through it. Yeah. yeah.
3: See,
2: yeah, he's been through a lot of pain and uh, suffering because 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 of this. But having to, you know, he's a political asylum seeker. He's an asylum seeker here in the states. When they talk about Venezuelan asylum seekers, they're talking about my buddy. You know, it's not just you can put a here's a chance to put a face with a name. Okay. Pero Pero, vale you
4: know, but he pena. said, but he's saying it was it was worth it. It was it was worth yeah. it. No, no, enriquece, enriquece la experiencia
3: que
4: It's bastante confortante que lo que he conocido del Bluegrass, del old Time a través de los festivales que he ido con Joe, a las universidades a, a, pues me ha llenado mucho de otra, de otros colores de la música que no solamente los oigo sino que también sin querer se van mezclando con la música venezolana. He says he's comforted by What's happening as a result of
2: visiting music festivals, uh, going as a duo to all these music festivals and fiddlers conventions and universities and whatnot, uh, that he, that he's starting to be enriched by more musical colors and um, you know uh, textures and, and whatnot. It's in, it, all of this
4: is is enriching his life. Sin querer pasa lo que le pasa a Nelson, lo que le hizo Nelson. Uh, yeah, without even really trying to, uh, he's going to take that,
2: That that's just kind of impacting his Llanera music, his experience mm-hmm. with bluegrass, in the same way that Victor Wooten's playing impacted Nelson Echandia, you know, it just kind of like enters in there. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, yeah, 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 it, it, it uh, sneaks in, that's what he's saying. <laughs>
1: Right, it just it just makes a you know richer you know richer recipe. That, you know. Totally. Right. And and Joe, you've been able to like use traditional music to highlight issues that you care about throughout you know throughout a lot of your career. Um, when did you realize you could kind of contemporize this traditional music and 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 in this way?
2: Well, I think traditional music has always been contemporary in the first place. I, I mean, it, it, it's music and it's happening now. Uh, I don't think of traditional music as any less contemporary than electronic music or anything that's being explored because it is as contemporary. I mean, the the instruments that we're playing are made with more... Uh, Contemporary machines and the industry which surrounds traditional music is contemporary. This idea that traditional music is like a vestige of the past or something is completely, as far as I can say, it's 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 not true. And and also, traditional music isn't. Uh, we we aren't living the kind of lives that uh, Bill Monroe or, or Earl Scruggs led. There's. The world has changed. Everything, anyway. So, you know, I I just I play this music, and uh, I have an interest in. I would like to see change. I, I, I'm not a, I'm not a politician, nor am I political, kind of disinterested with the political machine, honestly. Uh, but I think uh, it's important to say what you think like immigration reform is important why because it's the system is screwing over my friend and my mm-hmm. friends and all kinds of people and that screws up things for everyone for me on a personal level it, it I, I i wish i could wish it away there's nothing i i also i i, I say what i feel should be said you know that's that's just what I do. I, I don't think of it as anything special. It's just uh, I write songs. In recent years, I've been writing songs about other people, which is a process that I I love. I've, I'm really uh, it's been a blessing to be able to write songs about Moisés Serrano and Dream of Caldwell and Leonard Peltier um, to be inspired by. By people, uh, I wrote a song called "Hermano Migrante" in solidarity with migrants in the United States, and that's the first song of mine that Larry heard, which compelled him to play with me. So, had I not written songs for social justice, I wouldn't have even met, you know, one of my best friends and and my and, and the person that I'm going to be working with uh, in this whole next chapter of my life. You know, it's going to be our principal project. That's what we're doing. If anyone's wondering if if we're serious about this, well, this is our this is our livelihood, and this is what we're doing. Larry and Joe,
4: this is our work. This is our main dish. So, uh, yeah,
2: I, I I will continue to, to to talk about uh immigration reform because I think he, you know, you know, he's a, he's an asylum seeker. He's got, um you know, I I. I I think this country is lucky to have all these incredible immigrants in it. And uh, it goes right back to the foundation of this country. Like, where are we? Whose land are we on? You know, this is uh, a... There were people here before Europeans got here. There's a whole lot of healing that needs to be done. And uh, we need to consider the reality of the situation and not be hypocritical. Not exclude people when we ourselves, uh, speaking for white people here uh, are the descendants of immigrants you know um, So anyway that's, that's that.
1: Well we definitely want y'all to keep it going because the, the music is the music is fantastic and uh,
3: thank you Dave you know, thank definitely you
1: hope it hope it can you know grow where you can do this you know hundred percent full time.
2: Yeah, help us do it help us do it you know like y'all just if you if you've got things that we can do, uh, contact our manager our angel Kayla and uh, let's we'll come to a city near you we're on the road we're gonna be all over the United States next year coast to coast on many occasions so just be, be in touch reach out help us figure out where where we need to be playing in, in your town that's how it works that's literally how it works just uh, if you got an idea run it run it by our manager and and uh, and then we'll we'll see if we can't get that way. Yeah, and he's saying, yeah, make sure that he we're watching the website intermittently appear. Y'all can y'all can find all that contact information on our website, Larryandjoe.com. It's not to be confused with Larry and Joe's Pizzeria, Newark, New Jersey, and, uh, and actually uh, uh, Jersey City on Newark Avenue. Uh, that's not us. That's not us
1: well um yeah and you also have that that single dropping tomorrow right yeah on your
4: vehicle ah we could actually
2: yeah we can do that one too
1: yeah we're, we're kind of at the top of the hour so it's um you know uh if you could play us out and if you want to play us out with that that tune that's coming out tomorrow yeah, absolutely
2: then, uh, yeah i'll just have to retune because I do this sure you know, With the capo and you know banjo players when you put a capo on a banjo you're gonna have to retune a little bit no matter how good of a banjo it is. This is, by the way, this beautiful Hamlet banjo. Look at that inlay. John Hamlet is the most brilliant uh, banjo luthier and a wonderful friend. His guitars and mandolins and banjos are, Yeah, he's an innovator. He's really an innovator. And uh, Lizzie Ross, the incredible artist Lizzie Ross and musician from uh, Violet Bell, she did the inlay design and John then cut it out of abalone and uh mother of pearl put it on banjos this is the three sisters crop uh which was an idea that lizzie had of corn beans and squash so there's your little banjo uh, eye candy moment
1: that's awesome Thanks both of you for being on the show. This was this is really good. Um, thanks everybody for coming. And next week, be sure to tune in because we have a uh, Steve Martin Award uh,
3: Thursday. the name of song
2: close things out with uh the most recorded song uh most recorded venezuelan song in history it's by simon diaz and it's caballo all
3: right one second Play again Un,
4: dos,